The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broaddus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, season 19, episode number 104. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. It is playoff week. And uh, before we get into our breakdown of Cowboys versus Packers on tomorrow, today we will do a bigger picture look around this team, around some of the storylines from the season, and looking forward into the playoffs, some of the things that we think will be important for this team uh, if they want to achieve their ultimate goal of advancing and advancing beyond the first, second, maybe even third round of the playoffs. Uh, Before we get... I I just wanted to point something out real quick. Um, You two gave me crap about it yesterday. Come on with it. You gave me crap for it yesterday. But please, Chris... Please show Patrick yeah, and that. how he's dressed today. Do that. Fully obnoxious. <laughs> do that. Rocking out all the do Super that. Bowl wins that yes. the Cowboys have had. <laughs> when you finish, I'll explain. No, I'm just he his answer to this is he wants to serve as inspiration when he walks into the locker room. 100%. Players see it and be like, oh man, we need to add to this. Yeah. Is that is make, that what we're doing? Make, yeah, make, yeah, make yeah, me buy a new hat. This is actually to counteract the bad juju yeah. that Ambar put on the team ah, yesterday. Ah, see, by that makes ba- a lot more basically sense. guaranteeing that's that, yeah. worse. that this was the scene. No, that's no, worse. This is You're walking around like a champ. No, I'm walking Let's around calm down. as a reminder. <laughs> this is how champs. This is what it looks like when you do what you need to do for this organization. You get okay. a patch on the jacket, and they they change hats and make it six times instead of five times Super Bowl champion. As opposed to as opposed to one of our famed analysts guaranteeing that this is the year. Hey, hey Patrick! Hey, Patrick! Say- our, our trusted producer Chris wanted me to remind you. Locker rooms tomorrow. Not, not oh, no, I know not. that. Okay, I good. Know. Just making sure you, you knew. Yeah, but okay. they're, they're still in the building. Oh, okay. They're okay, I got, you. Yeah, I got you. Absolutely. All right. This is, <laughs> this is more soda for her. All right, okay. All right. So, for I should, everybody this so I should wear my Super Bowl Packer ring then, right? No. No. no is that no. a bad, bad juju? Then, then that goes See, we're back, right back to bad juju, right? right? We keep flipping back and forth. No, that's bad juju. I'll keep it in the closet. No, no, that's a bad idea. Okay. This show is just off the rails. Y'all Killed it before we got it going. Trust me, I knew better not to wear my Packers Super Bowl. Yeah, ring. let's, let's leave that? that one in the box at yeah. home, Brian. Yeah, no, we, need that. we need that. That's playoff an old mode. ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Mode. All right, let's talk a little bit about. Um, first, let's get a quick update on Stephon Gilmore. Yesterday, we heard a little bit about where he is. Yeah. What, what are we hearing at this point as far as his health? Well, Jerry spoke this morning on 105.3 The Fan, and and he basically he didn't guarantee that that Gilmore will be on the field, but he did say, quote unquote, he counts on him being on the field, uh, which basically, you know, mirrors the sentiment of McCarthy and Stephen Jones. They both expect that he'll play. Gilmore himself expects that he'll play. Like Brian explained yesterday, just shoulder popped out, subluxation, it popped back in. The MRI results came back uh, and McCarthy said that it was much better than anticipated. So, uh, very, very good news as far as uh, Gilmore's uh, availability. He'll probably play in that shoulder harness. Outside of that, just something to keep an eye on but he might even get some practice time this week i would not but he might so maybe in a limited capacity brian how much does that shoulder harness 
like restrict movement because obviously for a corner yeah. you got a lot of stretching that you have to do and got to play with that offhand you know depending on you know you don't want that to be they, they it's gotten better over the years uh, it used to be just then really, when you were with the Packers yeah it used yeah. to be really yeah it used to be really <laughs> restrictive in yeah. far as the the movement and yeah. you know they've developed better ones and stuff like that I I still feel like that if uh, if in fact and and I'll I'll check on that to see if he's wearing anything uh, for us and. Or talk to the equipment guys. Is sometimes they can adjust your pads. Mm-hmm. They could build your pads up or take them down, or you know, in order to help with movement and stuff like that. He wears small pads. Yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't. He really, wears small pads, yeah. so yeah. But it, he's going to have to be. It's a physical game. He's going to have to make plays. So uh, yeah, we'll see with that. But it, it used to be back in the day, man. That that was a that thing kept that shoulder and arm tight to your body, and and you, as a corner. Like I say, you need to play with that offhand if you're driving on the ball. There was a couple of times in the game the other day, man, he was just like inches away from knocking a pass down, you know, that was caught. But, you know, you got to be able to, to, to be able to do that to play corner. What's interesting is, and they're never going to put a player out there that shouldn't be out there right. if they're not healthy. They're right. not going to do that. But Guaranteed. what's interesting, we're at, at a point now that it's, you're all in. Like, there's no like rest now or like save, let's save him for another game. It's like now it's. If you're kind of, if there is a faded green light that means go, <laughs> it's time go. to go. But uh, is it more with that stuff? Is it like more pain tolerance type of stuff too? Well, you would probably worry about it popping out right. again. Yeah. Slightly that's weakened. the. That's but even the, if it's in, is he still dealing he, he's, with pain? It's sore. Yeah, it, that's sore, and they can they can medicate that if they yeah. so choose to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's is football players are a different breed, man. When it comes to pain tolerance and that sort of thing, I was literally just in a meeting, and the the topic came up of Tony Romo, if you remember mm-hmm. uh, that game lung, in San Francisco, yeah, yeah. Punctured where lung. punctured lung, and yeah. and they had literally in the press box, they the yeah, they had been out. told he's out, he's like out. he's not coming yeah. back in this game, and next thing you know, he's running out of the tunnel, yeah. grabs his helmet, he's back in the game, and they go and win the game, and yeah. so it, football players are different. So as you talk about well, like mm-hmm. this time of year, like they. Yeah. Want to be on the field because they know yeah. these times are rare. You only get so many opportunities at this, it. and they want to be a part of one it. One of the one of the, the the one of the funny things to look at is the injury report the day of the Super Bowl. Neither team has a guy. <laughs> right, running. everybody's like, I'm Everybody, good. Everybody's no. healthy. I'm good. <laughs> it is, you know, and we've seen it with hockey players in yeah. in in playoff time in hockey. Yeah, like they have injury and. Well, he played with a torn uh, knee, or he tore his back was he had, he was missed a disc injury, yeah, and they play, yeah. they play every other night, and football nobody wants to be left out of this, yeah, because you you work all year for this opportunity and the, the whole life, uh, yeah, the yeah. Inju- every game the injury report gets a little less and less and less until the end if you're the final one it's like no injuries reported, no injuries reported, and then you go play the game, and by the way. Everybody right now has something they're probably They're, dealing with. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's with got something they're dealing everybody's with. Dealing so with it's not going to get any better. But, but the fact is, as the games go on and get more important, everybody wants to be. Nobody, out there. nobody will talk about it. Yeah. Nobody will even go near the training room. They yeah. they will figure out ways to avoid having to you know, go in the training room. It's like Ambar said, if it's a faded green light, actually, if it's a yellow light, <laughs> go, yeah. go. In this regard, ladies and gentlemen, not actually traffic laws, just abide by the laws. No. Yeah. Hey, you're allowed to still go in yellow. Yeah. Hmm. I plead the fifth. And then, but if it's red, obviously I'm, not. I'm not playing that game. Not on the record, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's proof. All right, let's talk a little bit about coaches and GMs. And Sam Williams, huh? <laughs> wow. Oh, man. All right, let's talk a little oh, bit about man. coaches and, uh, and, and GMs. 
there been a there have been a few teams that have been reaching out here to the Cowboys. Let's focus. Been a few teams that have been reaching out to the Cowboys here over the last 24 hours about coaching positions, about GM positions. Jerry addressed it a little bit this morning on uh, with Sean and RJ and Bobby on 105.3 The Fan. Um, Carolina, the Chargers, and Washington uh, have reportedly reached out uh, in to 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 interview Dan Quinn. And Carolina and Washington reportedly have, have interviewed or are asking to interview Will McClay. My question for you guys is when you look at both those two guys, I think obviously we all agree they're very important what the Cowboys are doing here. The bigger question is how much would it hurt the operation uh, if you were to lose one or both of these guys? Come on, Anthony. <laughs> Come on, Anthony. <laughs> I was going to say, we've been through this how many times now? Like three times? Yeah, it, it's going to um, be an annual With Quinn, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I trust Jerry Jones' power and wallet to to make it happen, whatever needs to happen, clearly. I mean, we know um, they absolutely love and respect Will McClay and everything that he's done and his trajectory and the success that he's had drafting players. And we've seen how... Dan Quinn has completely turned around this whole defense since I started working here. Like, for 10 years ago, it looks completely different. Um, so, I think, and they've held on to him. I think it depends what happens, if they, how far they get into the playoffs. Is Mac, not McCarthy. Is Dan Quinn willing to kind of... Because last year, that's kind of what happened. He was mm. wanting to stick with his group. He truly believed in the group of players that he had. He fully saw the vision of where this team could go, and he wanted to be part of that. That's why he kind of stayed here with the Cowboys. So I don't know what happens if, let's say, how far the Cowboys make it. Does he decide to stay at a as a coordinator, or does he move on to wanting to now become a head coach? Well, my thing with it is, uh, eventually, it is inevitable Dan Quinn will return to the head coaching ranks. Um, and I think that the timeline on when he does that depends on the amount of success that he can have here. So I say that to say, if the Cowboys are able to make this run to the Super Bowl and potentially win the Super Bowl, he will have achieved what he came yeah. here to achieve. And then it makes it easier for him to kind of look at those other opportunities. I will also say, I think the other opportunities have to be favorable for him. Um, he was the front runner for that Denver Broncos position before that didn't um, happen for him. So it's not to say that he's not willing to leave, but there is a lot to, to be said as far as what you what you alluded to, Ambar. He loves this unit and he knows he's not going to get a Michael Parsons on every other team. He's not going to get Trayvon Diggs on every other team. He's not going to get, you know, uh, uh, Deron Bland, a late round pick turned into a franchise NFL record setter. So that goes to the importance of keeping Will McClay around as well. I really think this is like a, a symbiotic relationship type deal because what's the scouting department look like at the next team that he goes to? It's it's so much on the table. And as far as Will McClay is concerned, well, let me really quick. I think Dan Quinn sticks around unless the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl, it makes it easier for him to go and try to achieve what he try to achieve that as a head coach versus a coordinator because then he will have achieved it twice as a defensive coordinator, but not yet as a head coach. Will McClay I think Will, I know Will McClay loves this organization, loves this city. His family is rooted here. I don't think he wants to go. He has as much power as he needs to have in this organization, sans the title of general manager, but he's not. He doesn't care about that title. He cares about the ability and the relationships, and that is present here. So as much as other teams will rightfully come after Will McClay year after year after year, there's a reason money is one. 
but also the relationships mm -hmm. and the power that he has in his organization, those cannot be understated either. I think you would, uh, if you were to, uh, if the commanders were somehow to hire Dan Quinn and Will McClay, I would fear that combination right now. I think you would lose a lot of stability. I think you would lose a lot of stability with your defense. I think you would lose some stability with your front office. I think you would lose two guys that completely understand what it's like for the marriage of the scouting department and the coaches to work together. I think they work shoulder to shoulder very well. I think it's very smart for the commanders and Carolina to interview both because, to me, that could be a package deal right there. Uh, there's a lot of trust between those two. They work very well together. Uh, Dan respects scouting. Uh, Will understands what coaches go through on a daily basis. That understanding, you would lose that with Will. Uh, everything you said, Patrick, about the family and all that, I totally agree. Will's got a son that's uh, you know, finishing up school. I think it'd be a little bit easier for him to move if the, if his son was in college mm -hmm. right now. It'd allow him. Uh, he had an opportunity he's from Houston, had an opportunity to get the Texan job didn't take the Texans job or didn't want to be part of the Texans job. So, you know, he's very family-rooted that way. Uh, the Joneses, uh, he's, he and Steven get along very, very well. The thing that, that drives you, though, as a personnel man is to have your own operation. He's a big, big part of what this team does, and that's why people want him because they understand he can, he can go find players. He can organize. He can work with Jerry and Steven. Everybody sees that. So that makes him very attractive to teams out there. It's also within your division, you know, would be something with the commanders that you have to think about that, gosh, you know, taking the guy that, that helped you build the power like you have here in Dallas, you know, within the division. But there's always that lure of having your own operation, yeah. being able to hire your own people, uh, run it your way. You be the final decision maker here. And so I, I totally respect, uh, I totally expect that there will be a day that Will McClay does that. I don't know if it's today, but there's going to be a time where I know that he and Dan get along great. Mm -hmm. And everybody around the league that knows both guys well tell me that. That, man, there is a lot of respect between those two. So if somehow it turns into McClay gets the job, I would see Dan Quinn, if that team needs a head coach, I could see you losing both guys to the same place. Yeah. If, if in fact, it came to that. I'll tell you like this. I think of, of all the folks out there that are possibilities, I think Will McClay should be at the top of anybody's list when they're looking for a GM. Absolutely. You look at what the results have been here in Dallas yeah. in the period that he's led the scouting department. I mean, you could say what you want about the results of the Cowboys not getting here or not getting there. Every year they are competitive. Every single year they are competitive. And they are getting players that are not just first-round picks, second-round right. picks. Like you're getting players lower in the draft. They're getting players in free agency. Like they are getting guys. Yeah, right. They are, they are getting they – they have built the team from the ground up, and, and that is in no small part due to the work of Will McClay and the – as you said before, the organization yeah. Yeah. of how he puts this thing together and yeah. how he works with his team. And you know that more than anybody else, what it's like to have a scouting group yeah, it's, it's and be able to pull that together. Yeah, it's very difficult because he's in the Bermuda Triangle. And 
if you don't want the Bermuda Triangle, just look it up. It's Google it. It's it's a place where planes and <laughs> ships go to die. You know, I mean, they disappear. But Will is in that area where you got the Joneses on the top of the triangle, the scouts on one side, and the coaches on the other, and he's in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job of making sure that each group feels they're important to the process. There was a time where that wasn't always the case. You know, he he does a great job of getting everybody involved and making sure that everybody's taken care of, that nobody feels slighted. Like, you could get scouts who would say, oh, the damn coaches get whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Coaches will say, the damn scouts get whatever they want. Ownership says, well, you know, I don't trust the coaches to evaluate. You know, Will does a great job of making sure that everybody, and Steve and, and Jerry as well, making sure, though, that everybody on that, and because there was a time where that wasn't the case around here. I was a part of an organ, you know, part of the front office here where there were things that were outside influences that that kind of hampered what we were trying to do. And we all weren't all on the same page all the time. And there was that animosity towards each other, the group. And, and Will's, Will's tied that all together. He, he knows how to build an organization, a front office. Mm-hmm. He knows how to evaluate. And he knows what it takes to win your division. His, his whole goal is always to try and win the division and then figure out from there on. But you look at where he's, where he's really done some, you know, and last year, you know, we'll see about this draft, draft class. I mean, it probably isn't going to end up to being what they wanted it to be. But you look at going back, his ability to, to navigate Jerry wanting Johnny Manziel and then, no, 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 here, we, Zach Martin. I know, you know, I know we wanted, you know, this guy, but let's think about this one. I mean, just making the right call, sitting there and all of a sudden you get digs in the second round. Let's sit here and wait. Let's make sure that the boards stack the right way. That's how you win football. That's how you win. And, and there, are, there are owners around the league that would, would do anything to have Dallas's roster right now with the way it is from top to bottom. And they would love that. And you go, you go get a guy that helped build all that yep and one of the hardest yeah one of the hardest things to do in a position like his and any position of leadership is manage all three manage, manage all three. up manage down yeah. and manage to the side yeah is one of the hardest things to be able to do well right. you can be really good at managing up and not good at managing right. down and vice versa you can be good at both and not be able to manage across very well but right. when you can do all three well that's what makes really good leadership and that's what will has that i don't think a lot of people in this world do right. all right we're gonna take our first break when we come back we're gonna jump into the season recap and playoff looking forward we're gonna talk about that when we come back this is dallascowboys.com radio todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable and now todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour but the good news is todd has at&t 5g that is fast reliable and secure and he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew at&t 5g fast reliable secure it's not complicated 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? 
Dear doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time. But what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a soldier to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks girl, better than a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Back to the break. Sean Polite is your 2023 Cowboys Fan of the Year, and now he needs your help. Vote for Sean to be given the ultimate title of NFL Fan of the Year, presented by Captain Morgan, by casting your vote on NFL.com slash Fan of the Year. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. It's time. Actually, this segment's brought to you by Blockchain.com. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I've got a whole list of questions here. Some of them are about the season, the whole season. Some of them are about specific players. Some of them are about looking forward to the playoffs. Uh, but I'm going to run down these questions for you, and then we're going to have you see what you guys think and uh, kind of give everybody a good synopsis of the season as the Cowboys head into the playoffs. Let's start first with what do you think was the most impressive win? You had the Rams where you beat them 43-20. to Seattle where you won 41-35. Philadelphia, where you beat them 33-13, to or Detroit, where you won 20-19? to I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Um, almost went with the Seahawks just because of the fashion in which the offense was explosive in, in match and serve. But given how much defeating the Eagles meant, particularly at that time, Eagles had kind of snuck away with one in Philadelphia because of your self-inflicted wounds. They come back. They get, you know, it was right after they got beat up by San Francisco. Eagles really needed to avoid a two-game slot at that point. They were looking to, you know, push the Cowboys deeper behind them in the NFC East race. And to not only defeat the Eagles, but to defeat them in the fashion in which they did uh, could not have been more monumental for the Cowboys momentum-wise, uh, standings in the NFC and NFC East, and a large reason, large part of the reason they are sitting where they are right now with the, with the NFC East title and the number two seed is because they took care of business when the Philadelphia Eagles came to town. So for me, I'm going with the Eagles. Uh, I was going to say Eagles too because the, so that safe. victory was so tasty. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Finger licking good. It was, it was so like Michael good. Irvin. Like, it was so good. It was so good. But I would say the one against the Rams was really good too. Now looking at everything as a whole picture, I mean, you got to remember every team looks different on a week to week basis type of stuff. But I think the way that they played against the Rams there, and I, I was looking more for a victory like that that was not. At home, 
not at AT&T Stadium. Yeah. But um, in that game, it was just everything in the defense, the way that they were playing, how dominant they were. They were still at their peak where the defense was still the one kind of dominating right. the whole team and really doing most of the work. I miss that. They were really, really good. <laughs> um, they're still good, but uh, not at that level. But that, at that time, it was, it was just very impressive, too, the way that they performed in that game. Detroit, gritty win. I mean, just gritty. I mean, they're going to run. They're going to. Tr- Dan Campbell talks about biting kneecaps and fighting you and all that. And you know, you 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 play the whole game. You play well against the run. You pressure their quarterback. That's the third seed in the National Football League right now. That win right there that flipped you. You're two. They're three now. Just because of how you played that football game, that was huge. And uh, I mean, the last drive. I know we talk about it, but. The, the way that that team played for 58 minutes up to that, uh, the, just the grittiness on defense, the toughness they showed, they did enough on offense to win the game. I, I think the the, the 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 Lions game was the one that, that got my attention the most. Yeah, you know, I agree with you, Brian, and I, I agree with with you because I think that's the style of football that they're going to have to play have in to play playoff like that, games. Yeah. And so it was very refreshing to see them play that kind of close game where they had to had to deal with some adversity. Yeah. They still had to be tough. They had to make things work. And I think they did that, and they got that win. On top of the fact, in my opinion, that was the best thing they played, that they beat this season, yeah. was the Detroit uh, Lions. All right, what was the most hurtful loss? San Francisco, 42-10. to 10, Arizona, 28-16. to 16, Buffalo, 31-10. to 10, Or Miami, 22-20. to 20. Arizona. It just it shouldn't have happened. It just should not have happened. And you would think going into that game, you rule out three of your offensive linemen, three of your starting offensive linemen, and you think, okay, this is probably, if they lose this game, this is why they're going to lose this game. But that's not why you lost the game. You lost the game because you you were sleepwalking going into it, and you were assuming coming off of what you did against the Giants and the Jets that you were just going to mow you know mow right through the Arizona Cardinals, and the opposite happened. And with the run game, they mowed right through you. James Conner and those guys they had a day. Josh Dobbs got off to a hot start with the the big run on the bootleg to the left, and things went downhill from there. So I mean, you could look at the San Francisco 49ers, and but for me, I look at the 49ers contest as I think that needed to happen. In hindsight. That was the pivot point. That was the come-to-Jesus moment for McCarthy, the offensive staff, Dak Prescott, the team as a whole, because they were a different team after that Week 5 uh, drubbing at the hands of the 49ers. So I'm actually, in hindsight, I'm glad that happened. It turned the Cowboys into a better team. The Cardinals, though, that loss put you in jeopardy of not getting this this NFC East thrown. It put you in jeopardy of not getting the number 2 seed. So, um, but, I mean, good learning point, good learning experience for them, but that one, that one still stings for me. 49ers. Um, I'm an emotional person, and I what? can't help it. You, Just what? a little bit. Reportedly. <laughs> Just a little bit. Per source. But, <laughs> per source. <laughs> but that game, the buildup, everything that came, uh, that was happening before getting to San Francisco, and then getting there. And then the the fact that there was no fight. Because if you tell me there was some type of something happening in that game, mm-hmm. there wasn't. Not an any phase of the game like nothing was happening they got completely dominated it was embarrassing um so yes it worked out because the Cowboys became a whole different team after that week but at the same time it's just one of those that okay how are they gonna play once they if we get to that point again where maybe they get to play again in the playoffs I expect a better Cowboys team but at the same time it's just like dang it, there was no fight whatsoever. The game in Philadelphia, 
was the one that bothered me the most because mm-hmm. you had a chance to win that one at the end. You wasted a really good effort by your quarterback that day. And your inability to play nine one one football at the end when it came down, you didn't have timeouts, you didn't have a lot of you looked like a team that just wasn't prepared. And that that bothered me. And especially in a big game like that, a divisional game, chance to win it. You get unforced you get penalties, you get things happening to you, you didn't handle the situation all that well. You got all the way down there, chance to win it, and you couldn't finish it off. That's the one that bothered me the most because I think that it, it exposed you on some of the things that you worry about maybe going forward. I think they've gotten better in a lot of those areas, but you still have that in the back of your mind. If it turns in, what have we had happen at times during the Mike McCarthy era when we get to the final you know, final few minutes of the game or, you know, not being able to finish a game when you have the no timeouts. We saw in a playoff game at San Francisco. We saw at Philadelphia. You know, you got to be able to handle those situations to finish games, and that's the one that bothered me the most because you had a chance to win that game. You know, I'll go with Buffalo just because of the way Dallas lost, the way they were basically demoralized. They didn't play well in any phase of the nope. game. Like, they played really poorly, and – I'd gotten to a point where I'd forgiven them for what had happened the first five weeks of the season. The yeah. Arizona loss, the, uh, the the San Francisco loss, because I felt like, okay, bye week came, adjustments were made, they were a different team. And that's what they'd shown us. So for them to get blasted like they did at Buffalo in the way that they did where they really didn't put up much of a fight, yeah. that's the one that to me was most hurtful. Because a lot of these other losses, I can I can accept a 22-20 loss to Miami on the road. Yeah. That's a playoff-style game. Like, yeah. you you just didn't come up on – even with the Philly game, they were in contention. They Like yeah. you said, they were, they had moments when you thought maybe they can win this yeah. game. That I mean, they were just completely outmatched in Buffalo. And yeah. that's the one that just – of all the games in the second half after the bye, let's say, uh, I just felt like they were – they got blasted even though I thought they were a different team. And that's the only game that still makes me wonder, like, when they get into the playoffs, how are they really going to match up against these teams? I'm, all the other games, I'm like, they can match up with anybody. They're fine. I, even the San Francisco game. I think there are things that they're doing now that they weren't doing during that San exactly. Francisco game that will make them more competitive. But that Buffalo game still has a way of bothering me and making me think especially, and we'll talk about it tomorrow, talk about a team like Green Bay that yeah. says we're going to line up and run the ball. That makes me a little bit nervous yeah. because of what happened in Buffalo. All right, let's take our final break. We'll come back. we got more questions we're going to throw at these guys. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil changed, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. 
And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the Playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code COWBOYSVIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code COWBOYSVIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the break. Enjoy premier dining, shopping, and experiences from over 20 restaurants, shops, and more at the Star District. Check out the Women's Boutique Fleece Style of Frisco and the official boot partner of the Dallas Cowboy, Luke Casey. Enjoy the New Year's celebrations at Snowbird Cocktail Lounge, Concrete Cowboy, and City Works Eatery and Poorhouse. Visit thestardistrict.com for all a full directory of those stores. Welcome back. It is final segment of the break live in the SWBC mortgage studios at the star. And I'm just looking up here at the uh, TVs we have in the background. Mike Vrabel out in Tennessee, man, this is, he's out, he's out, he's out. Yeah. He's oh, coaches. This is, this week is always really tough because when you, when you work around this building, you start realizing how much you don't necessarily see it as a fan, but you start realizing how many people are affected right. adversely by coaches being fired. It's not just the coach, it's his staff. Right. It's all of their families yeah. that now have to think about re- relocating right. and all that kind of stuff. And I know nobody feels sorry for them. I get it. But the fact of the matter is, it still is a tough time of the year for those. I, those I, now, I think the next domino to fall is we might see Bill Belichick get released. From I was going to say, yeah. Vrabel probably, That's still, keeping has an eye on. probably yeah. still has a house in Boston Vrabel does so yeah I, I, interesting yeah I would yeah I would think that maybe that they wanted to bring they would want to bring in Mike Vrabel yeah yeah in New right. England so and we'll see that'll that then that domino falls and then something else happens yeah. you know where Belichick where does he end up you know he's kind of in that Parcells mode right now at the end where you know he could probably still coach but do you really want him doing personnel stuff I think that's the biggest question with Bill and he's even talked about that he would relinquish some of that but you know the thing is if if he know <clears throat> Excuse me, Ambar. If he, uh, <laughs> if he, uh, if he, you know, if he feels like he knows more than the personnel yeah. guys, like because he really he preps this stuff. I mean, he works hard on it. But again, you're right. The dominoes fall, and and you know, here we go. Yeah, I'll say this: a franchise that's trying to restart, similar to what yeah. the Cowboys did when they brought in yeah. Bill Parcells. Yeah. Bill Belichick would be a very, very yeah. valued asset, I would think, to a team like, let's say, Carolina or a team like, say, Washington, where yeah. they're like, we need to rebuild our entire culture and everything the about what program. We do. Yeah, the yeah. program. He, yeah. he he has an idea of how to put people in place to yeah. do that. They just his his. It's very much very similar to what. And I went through this in Dallas of being a fan in the in the late eighties. 
with Tom Landry. Yeah. That you get to a point in time where the game, as far as it's not the X's and O's that give you trouble, it's the you know, it's your ability to see the players and how yeah. to build your roster that way. And I think that maybe Belichick, uh, he, he still believes in how he evaluates, but you talk to people around the league and you look at the way the Patriots have scouted, their roster's just not good enough. And yeah. they wonder why they don't win. Their roster is not good enough. That's a problem. All right, let's finish this off. we got a few more questions that we're going to have as a part of our recap. These both are going to be looking forward. Uh, now, I need you to be careful with the, the wording of this question because it's not the most it is more, all right? Going into the playoffs, which defensive player is more critical to team success? I know most would probably say it's going to be Micah. I'm going to give you some options. I need you to pick from one of these options. Damone Clark, Jonathan Hankins, or Donovan Wilson? I'm thinking. What do you think, Ambar, Brian? Those are all good ones. They are. So good. They all provide a little something different for you, and that's why you kind of have to I'm, really think about. Okay, that. I'll, I'll. I think the more, I'll go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say. I mean, obviously, they're all very, very valuable, but I would say, Damone Clark mainly because of the position, the lack of depth in that position, but also. The fact where where that position plays on the field, I mean, it's kind of in between. You're helping the ones in the back, and you're also helping maybe to stop the run and, and help Jonathan Hankins finish the job that he's doing. So mainly because of the position, I would say Damon Clark, and he's trending upwards right now. It is, it's hard to pick between those three, uh, but I am going to go with Jonathan Hankins. Uh, I think Hankins returning and being healthy, and like I said, he looked good against the Commanders. Um, that's going to be paramount against, guess what, teams that like to run the ball. Who are we talking about? The Packers, and we'll get into it later this week, but Packers are a team that love to run the ball. Can you control the line of scrimmage defensively? Uh, and Jonathan Hankins has excelled at doing that. And pre-high uh, ankle sprain, he was having a hell of a season, not just as that definitive big-body run-stopper that can eat up double teams and help maintain gap integrity. He was getting in the backfield and being disruptive in that capacity as well. So for me, I'm going to go with Jonathan Hankins. I think it's huge, no pun intended, having him back on the team. Yeah, this is a really good list. And man, but when Wilson's on, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to think of all these times and all these teams you're probably going to play that are going to run crossing routes and try and attack the middle of the field and and when you know the other day you saw a really good example they get pass rush and all of a sudden the ball's fluttering in the air wilson's in coverage they get an interception his ability to play with physicality maybe down in the box and against the run you know the thing that you worry about hankins was the most steady clark could be like he could get lost and wilson could get lost sometimes but if i had to say one guy that that can make an impact coverage and physicality, I think it's Wilson. And with, with like I say, with all the, the routes and stuff that they're going to see in the middle of their field, and with him having to, to deal with that, I, I need him to play big. Yeah, I, I was, uh, when I was putting this together, you know, I thought about it. I was like, I, I don't really need Donovan Wilson for the playoffs. I need Dono. Like, I need yeah. that dude. Like, yeah. what you notice about Donovan Wilson is he's a guy that when he's on and yeah. making plays, yeah. He's a difference maker. He like he's not just a guy out there. He's a difference maker. So I need games where we come out of the game saying, "Oh, did you see what Don Wilson did?" Yeah. Like those are the kinds of games where you're like, "Okay, that's the player that the Cowboys paid for." Uh, if you're getting a guy that's just solid, that's not what he's best at. He's best at changing games and making those kinds of plays. And I think when he's that guy, 
no, no offense to these other guys, but I think that makes a difference because he's gonna make he's gonna make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He's also gonna make plays downfield. He'll make plays in the middle of the field. Like he can be all over the field for you and right. making plays and making a difference in a game when he's playing that style. Yeah, he's going to make plays, plays laterally and knifing through for those screen yeah. routes yeah. as well. So yeah. absolutely, yeah. that's a difficult three to pick from. It is. It is. Okay, here's another one. Uh, which offensive player is more critical to team success? Jake Ferguson, Tony Pollard, or Brandon Cooks? <laughs> you know, you're really good at hosting, by the way. Um, it's all right. Uh, no, oh, these, these, look, she's not giving <laughs> any credit. No, these questions are phenomenal. Um, Ferguson Cooks or Pollard? Pollard. What, what, what you got, what you got, Garcia? Man, I'm gonna have to go with maybe. Oh, you could argue anyone, I but I, I was gonna go with maybe Cooks. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's tough because, man. They've all had their moments, and they all have not had their moments. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think the running game, it is what it is at this point. That's that. Um, Ferguson, he he's really, really good, and Dak will definitely use him. But at the same time, I wonder what the offense will look like with the, with even with – Times where Brandon Cooks is not getting the ball and he's getting open or whatever, but not getting the ball. Him being on the field has to account for something. And I don't know if C.D. Lamb would still be C.D. Lamb without someone like Brandon Cooks somewhere out out there on the field. So I think his mere presence, even when he doesn't get the ball, is still highly important for this offense. It's got to be Cooks. Cooks is the one guy that scores in the red zone. Hmm. You know, you, 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 you start to talk about, you can talk about Ferguson getting down there. It's really not. CD, you know, has had some touchdowns down there. But what does Dak do when he gets inside the 20? He somehow finds Cooks running a corner route or fade or something. He's always, this guy knows how to get his feet in bounce. He knows how to secure the ball. He gets separation. Separation. Yeah. He's quick. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you're right, Ambar, about the running game. It is what it is. I'm not relying on the running game. I, I think it'd be nice if Pollard could play well. I think that would help. But you know, Ferguson he he does his he does his fair share uh, between the twenties. But Cooks is the one that can make plays from anywhere on the field. But he could also score in the red zone. So I need him to do that. I, I agree with you guys on the run game. Um, you know, you, you want to see Pollard have a strong day, and but I'm of the mindset that. Either or. Either Pollard will have a strong day and or Rico will have a, a solid day. One yeah. of those two things will handle it. So uh, in the passing game, I'm going to go with Jake Ferguson. I think going into games, uh, each of the teams that the Cowboys play against, assuming they you know win and continue to win, they're going to key in, obviously, on CeeDee Lamb. And now they're going to start to key in on Brandon Cooks and say, OK, well, too many of these teams the Cowboys have faced have forgotten about Brandon Cooks. So they're going to go after CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. And that's just going to open up things for Jake Ferguson. And then when you look at what Ferguson has done for the offense. Brian makes an excellent point. When it gets down to the red zone, one of the biggest solutions uh, in the red zone has become Brandon Cooks. But moving the chains to get down there, that's Jake Ferguson. Ferguson. Right? That's CeeDee yep. Lamb and Jake Ferguson. So Jake Ferguson having a, a big uh, a big postseason will 
play massively in favor of the Cowboys because it keeps things open free for CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks, but it also really stresses those linebackers and it stresses those safeties who have to now kind of focus on crashing down or do I play back or do I crash down because the seams are being attacked by Jake Ferguson, who not only is, is you know good at possessions, uh, but his yak yardage. Like once he gets the ball in his hands, you really have a time taking him down. So uh, all great answers challenging to pick between them all but I'm going with Jake Ferguson I think he's the x-factor I think the reason why this question is important is because and this is because I play fantasy football in postseason and one of the things I've noticed this has been a trend that that we've talked about in in our little league that happens every year is you watch in the playoffs the main guy the main offensive weapons around the league typically the first couple weeks of the playoffs they aren't the guys that really are getting off every team because every team will come into those games saying we got to stop this guy yeah we got to stop this guy and they're going to identify those guys and it's going to be up to those other guys those other Mm -hmm. playmakers on the team to actually make the difference this is where i think the cowboys paid the money they paid to go and get brandon cooks is because when you've got a guy like cd lamb that going into the playoffs my suspicion is that every team that plays the cowboys (laughs) will say that's our number one priority is to shut him down if they can slow him down, who's that other guy? And I think Brandon Cooks is the veteran guy you can trust. He can make plays. As you said, Brian, everything about his skill set suggests he can do it and, and can definitely do it at this at this level uh, in the, on this stage. So I think Brandon Cooks is the guy I'm looking at. And I'm like, he's, this is where you pay dividends. This is where you're going to get the most out of him. All right, before we end the show, Patrick, lab coat, what you got? Bring me in, Beamer. Yes, science. There it is. All right, so started dissecting and charting the film for the Packers from the Packers and also their uh, statistical tendencies. And something that popped out for me is this is a team that does very well at getting pressure on the opposing quarterback. They get pressure almost 40% uh, of the opposing quarterback dropbacks. Um, but digging a little deeper into that, the magic number is 273. 273, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, their time to pressure is 2.73 seconds. Here's where that works in the Cowboys' favorite. Dak Prescott's time to throw is averaging 2.69 seconds. So that means if those two things hold true on Sunday, Dak Prescott should have his normal, comfortable amount of time to throw before the Packers can get back there for him. So, again, if that holds true and the Cowboys are expecting their quote-unquote full force of offensive linemen, full complement of starting offensive linemen, just do what you normally do. It should be business as usual. Allow Dak his typical time to process back there, and that pressure won't get back there. But if it goes past 2.73 seconds, Dak should already be making a decision to either get that ball out or get out of the backfield. All right, it's good stuff. We appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll jump into this Green Bay team. This is not a team that's been co- that's that that most fans probably are very familiar with because there's so many new parts. We'll break all that down for you. Young talk team. about that offense. Yeah, talk about that offense versus the Cowboys defense till tomorrow. For Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!